I had a, a nice kind of introduction planned out. I like to know what I'm going to say and, and be ready. Um, but as I, as I thought about um, Ephesians chapter 2, 11 to 22, um, last night and then again this morning, began to, to realize that in many ways some of the things that I was going to uh, to talk about, that I, I was uh, failing in those very same areas. And so I want to start a little bit differently than I was going to start. I was going to share something nice and pleasant. Well, I hope that you're encouraged. But what I want to share this morning is that the church is not meant to be like the world. But so often I see in my own life, and I see in, in just in the, the church at large, that we are living like the world. In the area of uh, wanting, we all have a, a desire for community, to belong. But so often we're seeking to fit in, to be... Um, accepted, and we're living to please the um, man rather than God. And the church isn't like that. Church isn't meant to be just this, this social club for the religious people. It's not meant to be a place where one must climb the ladder in order to be somebody important or spiritual. It's not meant to be divided as it so often is into this group and that group and the other group where we are not living that one another lie. This morning in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 11 to 22, we're going to see that the church is one family brought together and now being built up together in Christ. You see, the, the reality is that all of us were far from God. And outside of His family, we did not belong. But in Christ, we have been brought together as one. And we have been brought together as a family to be built up together as a dwelling place for God. Do we look like that? Do we look like a dwelling place for the Lord where He is present, He is working, and He is near? Let's read Ephesians 2, and I'll read just the first two verses, 11 and 12. Therefore, Remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is done in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That word, Therefore, recalls to mind last week's message 
about God's work in us. That we were dead in sin without Christ. But that with Christ, God has made us alive. Because He is rich in mercy. And so we talked about God's work of grace. But there is more to the story. And so Paul says, therefore, remember. And in a sense, we, we kind of get round two of who you were without Christ and now who we are in Christ. And as we talked about last week, you were dead and now are alive. And now we're going to see that we were far from God and His people, but we have been brought near and we're being built up in Christ. The command to remember um, is addressed to the non-Jews. It says, therefore, remember you Gentiles in the flesh. Paul was an apostle primarily to the non-Jews. He was an apostle to the Gentiles, focused on ministering the word to them, bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. And... um, So he tells the church in Ephesus, primarily made up of Gentile believers, to remember who they once were. But he doesn't, he brings out both here, interestingly enough. And the point that I want to make from these two verses is the three words that, well, it'd be two words in Greek, I guess, in the flesh. And interestingly enough, the Gentiles and the Jews are both described as in the flesh. That word is, an, is a negative term. It's not a good thing necessarily. I mean, it can be in a neutral sense, but referring to our weakness and inability as human beings in our flesh. I think of uh, when Jesus told Peter, the spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. In that sense that He had this desire to do what was right, but in his humanness and in his inability, he he was unable, could not um, do the good that he wanted to do. And so it's only by God's Spirit that we are able to live as God wants us to live. Both Jew and Gentile live in the flesh, unable to bring themselves near to God. Paul says that um, the circumcision of the Jews was in the flesh by hands. It was of human origin and human effort. But in Colossians 2, verse 11, he speaks of a circumcision made without hands. Circumcision in Christ, where He gives us a new heart with new affections and ability to walk with Him because His Spirit is within us. And so right from the get-go, we see that we were far from God, unable apart from Him. The text goes on and and says that we were without Christ. Without a citizenship 
not belonging to God's people or a part of his family. Without the covenants of promise. And therefore without hope and without God in this world. When you think about being alienated and strangers, I don't know what comes to your mind, but I think of the refugee. There are many refugees in this world that live in another country, a country that they had no right to enter, and they really have no reason to expect that they will be able to stay. They have no rights of citizenship, and so they could be kicked out at any moment. I mean, there are countries that allow refugees to come in and to gain citizenship, but until they have that citizenship, they have no hope. They do not belong. And so were we. We also were once far from God, undeserving and unable to save ourselves in our flesh, in our humanity. The text goes on in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. But now, in Christ, you have been brought near. Reminds me of a verse that I love in 1 Peter 2.10. Once you were not a people, but now you are my people, says the Lord. Quote taken from Hosea chapter 2. The alienation, the separation between Jew and Gentile, between all peoples, is answered in Jesus' sacrificial death. When we look at humanity, there is a long history of enmity and hostility towards one another. It doesn't matter what culture or group you look at, whether it is Jew or Gentile, Germans and Dutch people, European and Native American. Really, since Cain killed his brother, we've seen the fruit of this enmity between one another. But God has made one people from every nation in the new covenant that is mediated by Christ himself. The text tells us the dividing wall of hostility has been torn down. And how did God accomplish this? He did it by the blood of Christ, reconciling us in his one body, 
through the cross so that we are accepted not because of who we are in the flesh, but in the beloved as, as uh, I believe that's Ephesians 1, 7. This work of reconciliation, of peacemaking was done through the cross. His blood was required because death was and still is the sentence that was given by God for our sin. Justice had to be done. And so God, in His mercy, laid our iniquity upon Christ. Think about that. Do we praise Him and thank Him for these things? Text goes on and says that the law was abolished. Now what would, What does that mean? The word abolished um, is better translated that it, it was set, some, set aside, perhaps, rendered inoperative. I know that's cumbersome. But the idea of that the law was abolished refers to Christ taking the punishment for sin, the the just deserts of our sin under the law, upon Himself, making the law then of no effect for those who believe in Him. Where the law brings condemnation under Christ, that condemnation has been paid for. In Colossians 2, Paul addresses this same concept in verses 12 and 14. In Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him, through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision that is your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us of all our trespasses. How did He do that? By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. And so our sin has been dealt with. And the penalty has been paid. The the law, the justice of the law has been satisfied in Christ. The curse of the law has been dealt with, and there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because in the frailty of His flesh, He died to create one new man in place of the two. And to reconcile us both to God and thereby killing that hostility between us who are enemies of God and Him. And by reconciling us both to God, our relationships with one another are now relationships of reconciliation and peace. And where there is not peace, which there is when we follow our own desires and live in the flesh, in Christ we have all the reason and ground to 
reconcile with one another and make peace. We are one new man that is not based on biology or culture, but faith in Christ. It is not that the Gentiles became Jews or that the Jews per se became Gentiles, but rather both became one new person. So that what identifies us is not Jew or Gentile or whatever else you might want to say, but it is Christ alone. And this is a corporate identity, a together identity. The amount of times that the word together and one and both show up make this abundantly clear. There's one body for believing Jews and Gentiles that ought to be fully accepting of one another in Christ. This gospel of peace was and continues to be proclaimed far and near to all peoples. Isaiah 57:19 God said to his rebellious people Peace peace to the far and to the near says the Lord This is the message that we proclaim to the world that they through Christ might have peace with God and with one another And the direct result of believing the good news of peace is that we together have access to the Father through the Spirit. Verse 18. To have access is to have the freedom to approach. A freedom which in much of the ancient cultures, and really when you talk about kings in general, you you couldn't just approach them, you know, unless you wanted uh, to meet with their wrath. And so it is an amazing thing that we have access and the freedom to come before God at any time into His presence with petitions and praise. Just as a child can come to their father at any moment. And he will listen to them. Without Christ, we were far off and hopeless. But Christ died so that we would have peace with God and would be able to draw near to Him. That we would be at peace with all those who believe. We've been brought near in Christ. We are also a church that is being built up in Christ. Verse 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure 
being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you also are being built up together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The excluded are now included. Those far off are now near in to God and to His people. So that we are fellow citizens with access to God and members of God's household who are being built up together into a dwelling place for God. A place where God is near and present and working. That's what it means to be a dwelling place for the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Together we are one nation, one family, one temple belonging to God. God is making a family for Himself. And this family is like a house to live in. A house in which God dwells. And this house is built on something. First of all, Paul mentions that it is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Their teachings are the basis on which the church rests. Their teachings of the gospel, both in who we are in Christ and, and what He has done and, and what he call, how He calls us to live, is the basis for which we, um, we can live for Him. But Jesus Christ is the one who occupies the central place in this foundation. He is not just another stone among the, the apostles and prophets. He's the cornerstone, which makes the whole building possible. A cornerstone is a beautiful image that is taken uh, from Isaiah 28, verse 16, where God says to Israel, Behold, I am the one who has laid a foundation in Zion. So the Lord has done this work, laying a foundation. A stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. The cornerstone of an ancient building was that first part of the foundation that held everything together and which determined the bearing of the rest of the structure. If your cornerstone was off, or if it was crooked, the whole building would be so. So Christ, being that first stone, that foundation, is the one by which the whole of God's people are set in place. Because of Him. Christ holds us together. And so we being fitly joined together, grow up together, verse 21. And again in verse 22, we read that we are being built up together. This is important to remember. You see, we grow fitted together, not separate and apart. You and I were designed by God to grow when we spend time together, when we serve one another and live in the peace that Christ has bought for us.
We need one another daily. And a church will not function as a godly church unless God's people stop living separate lives. We stand or fall together. And this is something that has often been lost in our understanding of the gospel. Peace with God means peace with His people. Love for God means love for God's people. This is why Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And John records Jesus saying this several ways and then records it several more times in his letters in 1 John and 2 John. Because of how important it is, what's at stake is the holy temple, the dwelling place of God. If we want to glorify God and be near to God, then we need each other. We need the help of God's Spirit. The text is very clear. We grow in the Lord by His Spirit. He comes first. He is the one doing the work. But He has designed us to help one another. He has given us the Spirit for that very purpose. We would serve one another in love. And so if we love God, we will want to be with His people. I would encourage you to think about what are the ways that I can be with God's people, long for His people, and show them love. Show them the love of Christ and serve one another. Christ, our cornerstone, holds us together so that we grow in the Lord by His Spirit, but we need each other. And in all this, God is near and He longs for us to be built up together in Him. I want to talk about some of the implications for today in this. The first is that God is with His people. There is no more comforting truth in my mind to remember than that fact that I was once far off, but now God is near. I once was condemned under the wrath of God, dead in sin, but He has made me alive. He took the punishment on Himself so that I might have a relationship with Him. And He is not with us some days, but always. To remember that. It's a foundation of a relationship with Him, first of all, that enables us to be able to love one another, to serve one another, to care for one another. God is with His people. And... He is the most important thing in our lives. The one that we ought to long for and seek out more than anything. The second thing I want to remind us of when we think of this is that 
There is no place in the family of God for superiority or inferiority for that matter. Um, There is no place for look at me. Look at what I've done. I'm where it's at. Because we were far off. We were dead. It is God who has saved us. And at the same time, to go on and woe is me and I am hopeless is also not the right attitude to have because look at what God has done. God has taken someone far off, dead in sin, and has made them alive and He has given them a new heart. He has adopted them. He has given us the power of God so that we might love and live for Him. Serve one another. All of us were once far off, and now all of us in Christ are near to the Lord, one in spirit, adopted sons, whether you're from China or Israel or Canada, we're on the same plane because of Christ. All of us were incapable in our human flesh. All of us in need. All of us in Christ now are together being built up into a dwelling place for God where He is near. So consider how you look at yourself and your life. And remember that God has done the work in us. We don't need to feel, we have no right to feel superior. And we can trust Him that He has done the work. And He is faithful, so we don't need to fear either. And lastly, I want to bring out that the importance of one another. Ignoring one another, not being a part of one another's lives, is in some ways as bad as open hostility. You and I may not hate one another, but we may hurt one another or forget one another. And and that, that cannot be, it doesn't have to be intentional, but so many times I myself get caught up in my own life, my needs, my desires, and we kind of forget that we are a family that we need one another, and that we can care for one another. How we treat one another matters. So consider how you are treating your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And is there something that you can do to encourage them, to build them up this week? How will we do that? I was um, reading 
something. I don't know what I was reading, but I, I came across the words of this old hymn. It's called, I Love Thy Kingdom, Lord. And it's, the first verse goes like this. I love thy kingdom, Lord, the house of thine abode, place where God dwells. The church, our blessed Redeemer, saved with his own precious blood. My prayer is that this would be our heart's desire and that we would remember this. That I, we love thy kingdom, Lord. The place where you dwell. The church that you saved with your precious blood. The Christian must never forget that we were far from God. Titus 3.3 talks of how we were filled with hate and hating one another. But now we have been brought near to God. We are one family in Christ. Brought together and built up together in Him.